0: You're listening to the Race Wide Open Podcast. Welcome in to the first episode of the Race Wide Open Podcast, a show that is dedicated to bringing you the news and features that you won't hear about in the mainstream motorsport media. My name's Rusty Gregory, and I guess I should probably start by introducing myself. I've been involved with motorsport at various levels for well over 30 years. It's a passion that was passed down to me from my dad when I was very, very young. I've been a commentator, a TV broadcaster, an administrator, journalist, official, crew member, and a racer. The passion that I've got for motorsport is deep, and if it's got an engine and it's got wheels, there's a very good chance that I'm interested in it. My background is primarily in drag racing, uh, but I've also covered speedway, which is one of my other passions, jet sprint boats, offshore power boats, circuit racing, drifting, burnouts, and there's probably a stack more motorsport that I've forgotten in there. So much motorsport happens both here in Australia and abroad that is either missed by the motorsport media or the racing community or it's quickly forgotten as we move on to the next race. Our vision for Race Wide Open is to change that. We want to create a place for some of these niche motorsports to have their time in the sun, to help them grow and nurture these sports and be part of the future of Australian motorsport. So far you'll notice on the website racewideopen.com that the traditional summer motorsports in drag racing and speedway are the ones that we've covered. But this will change as the racing season goes on for other disciplines and categories. We have got a fantastic guest lined up for our first episode of the Race Wide Open podcast. His name is Benny Bishop. He is a familiar face to many, many people in this industry, and he's a fitting guest to have on the first episode of the Race Wide Open podcast. But before we get to Ben, let's wrap up all the recent news in our race highlights. The National Drag Racing Championships kicked into gear last weekend with the first event of the new year, the Festival State Nationals. Over 20,000 fans packed into the Bend Dragway to witness the return of what they call the big show for Nitro Funny Cars, Top Door Slammer and Top Bike, as well as the NDRC Aeroflow Sportsman Series. Justin Walsh took his second win of the season over his teammate Morris McMillan with an almost psychic 002 reaction time, giving him the edge over the Kiwi. His 501 was more than enough to account for McMillan's 498 in the final round. There was, however, plenty of carnage in the funny car ranks. It all started with Northern Territorian Adam Murray on Saturday night, collecting the timing cones on his second qualifying run, and that caused major damage to the front of his funny car, ruling him out for the rest of the event. It was the second event in a row that Murray has damaged the body on that car, with the charge at copying the full brunt of the Perth Motorplex Sand Trap at the last round of the series. Brandon Goswell must be wondering what he needs to do to get some good luck this season because he is now qualified number one at three separate events so far this season and he is yet to take to the track in that first round after qualifying number one due to a variety of reasons but last weekend it was problems with the reverser that ruled him out in round one couldn't back up from his burnout in round two he had a problem with the timing system that threw up a 458 on the timing boards uh, when he got the win over morris mcmillan but that run was proven to be null and void when the incremental timers did not match up to the 458 that showed up on the boards It's unfortunate for him because that likely would have kept him from a place in the final round once it all comes together expect him to come home with a wet sail at the other end of the season but it just has been a very rough start to the year for Brandon Gosball another racer that had a tough weekend was Anthony Begley who was really battling stuck throttles, dropped cylinders uh, and really just tricky conditions at the bend because uh, after going to the gravel trap in round 2 he didn't come out for the third round of racing uh, as the team tried to diagnose the issues with the Dodge but big congratulations to Justin Walsh for getting the win, he also reset his personal best at that event uh, with a 496 so big congratulations to justin top door slammer well there was plenty of drama there that's for sure because the final round john zappia won it on the day uh, but was later disqualified from that final round now the reason being that it was deemed that a crew member touched the car while it was in stage and that handed the win to the rookie racer russell taylor so a lot of people might wonder why touching the car is such a big issue well it's there for safety reasons once a driver is in full stage, it does signal to the starter that they are ready to go and they are ready to race. And uh, ideally, you do not want a crew member touching the car as it's preparing to race down a racetrack at over 400 kilometres per hour. So it was a safety rule. Uh, it was protested, and I understand there was a lengthy investigation. It actually took uh, over 24 hours to come up with a winner. Uh, but once the winner was decided, it was Russell Taylor. And full credit to John Zapier as well. He took it on the chin uh, and basically used it as a reminder for the rest of the race teams out there to make sure that they're on their game, make sure that they understand the rules. And uh, I guess it's going to make him super hungry when when we roll into Sydney in two weeks' time for the next round of the championship. The final round certainly had two guys who were the class of the field all weekend long. Uh, Taylor was looking like a veteran out there, and that is Russell Taylor that I'm talking about, the West Australian who has just reeled off 570 after 570 all weekend long. He qualified number one. He went to the final. Uh, likely, he will assume the points lead in the process. But really, it shouldn't be a surprise when you consider that the car is the same car that Steve Hamm took to the last two 400 Thunder Pro Slammer Championships. Uh, he's also got Steve Hamm and Stuart Rowland, the two guys who were behind those championships, working on this car. They were there th- that weekend, and uh, it really does show. Take nothing away from Taylor, though. He has been super impressive. Uh, he's still got to get in the car, and he's still got to drive it, but uh, he's going to be Hard man to stop in this championship, that is for sure. Championship leader Ronnie Palumbo, he had a really tough weekend, a weekend to forget with electrical and gearbox gremlins Dousing the hot start that he had to his uh, Top Door Slammer career, the AC Delco team did bounce back with a win in Round 3 and they will be looking to regroup quickly, as we said, with the the next round of the Championship, I should say, in Sydney less than two weeks away. We do have to give a big, big shout-out to Daniel and Lisa Gregorini as well. Running one car at this level is a crazy amount of work, but to run two cars and be as consistent as they have been over the last couple of seasons... It's a really impressive effort, and uh, in the B final, Lisa took the win over Daniel. Uh, Daniel did make some comments at the other end of the racetrack about Lisa cooking him dinner uh, that I don't know went down too well. Daniel, I'd make sure I have someone tasting your food before you eat it, but uh, that being said, it was all in good fun, and uh, with that win in the B final, Lisa does bank plenty more championship points, and, and she is actually looking like a threat in this Top Door Slammer Championship this year. Top bike really starting to hit its stride as well, with more than a few bikes dipping deep into the six-second zone over the course of the Festival State Nationals. But Benny Stevens keeps knocking it out of the park with consistency. He won his second event on the bounce at the dragway at the bend, and uh, really, it's hard to see anybody else topping him at this point. Damien Musket is slowly creeping up on the new bike with only three events on the four-cylinder supercharge combination, and he did top qualify at the bend with a 659, but the hot conditions made it really hard to tame all the horsepower that this bike Scott, He's going to be one to watch as we go into the cooler months and the track conditions become more favourable. Got to give a special mention as well to Greg Jurak. The only turbo bike in the field, qualified really well, was putting down near personal best in the 6.6 second zone and he took home a final round appearance for his effort. Big congratulations to Greg Jurak. Moving from drag racing onto speedway now, and there has been plenty of racing both here in Australia and abroad. Let's go to two wheels first, and the Australian Speedway Solo Championship finished up on Saturday night at Gilman Speedway. It was a five-round championship, and it was run by Rowan Tungate. It was his second championship after winning his first back in 2018. And with that, he actually joined some pretty illustrious names on that list as a two-time winner of the Australian Speedway Solo Championship. He finished ahead of Max Frick, Jamin Lindsay, and Jack Holder. And for Holder, he actually won a runoff against Lindsay to finish third overall officially with the leading four riders now locked in for the 2024 Speedway GP qualifiers which culminate in the Czech Republic on October the 4th. The top three riders in that event actually go on to earn spots in the 2025 Speedway GP series so that's going to be really really cool to see with four quality riders from Australia competing in that event in October. Moving on to four wheels now, and the sprint car community is really building up to what is the biggest fortnight in the sport each year. It's the classic week, the grand annual sprint car classic on this weekend and the lead up events to it. And the Australian title is on the weekend after in back to back weeks. On Saturday night at Avalon Raceway, Carson Macedo again proved why the combination that he has with Dyson Motorsports is such a brutal combination, taking the $10,000 on offer for the win to back up his solid runs at the Red Hot Summer Shootout at Toowoomba the weekend before. Marcus Dumsny bounced back from what has been a pretty tough summer so far to finish on the second step of the podium, with supercar star Cameron Waters having his best run in a 4.10 sprint car so far with a third place. At the same time, the Perth Motorplex turned on some sensational racing. Uh, it was also pretty brutal, to be honest, but it was the final round of the USA versus WA Speed Week, with the five-time World of Outlaws champion Brad Sweet taking the win from local Callum Williamson and US star Brock Zierfoss. And For Callum Williamson, he actually won the series. Uh, Unfortunately, Rico Abreu, the other racer who was in contention, his night came to an early end after a clash with Williamson and uh, the inside wall of the Perth Motorplex. So that's a shame for Rico. Uh, I know he's got a lot of fans out here now. He is certainly a popular racer, and uh, I'm sure we will see him back on Australian shores in the not-too-distant future. The win went to local favourite Callum Williamson. He took the series victory and has been super impressive throughout the Christmas New Year period. I think at one point he had five pole positions uh, or five dash wins over the course uh, of the first five rounds of the series. It was pretty incredible, to be honest, and uh, he thoroughly deserves that series victory. Over in the US at the moment, there is not a huge amount of racing going on, but the Chili Bowl Midget Nationals is certainly one to mark on your calendars. With over 300 entries racing on an indoor racetrack in Tulsa, Oklahoma over six days of racing. It really is an event that should be on every motorsport fan's bucket list. The Saturday Night Feature race was won for the second year in a row by Logan Seavey taking home the Golden Driller Trophy. And that does wrap up our race highlights for this week. Remember, if you do have any news from your racing series or a press release from your team, make sure you do send it over to news at racewideopen.com and we'll do our best to throw the limelight onto you, your racing series and your racing endeavours just like you deserve. Make sure you do check out racewideopen.com for all the latest news and information. But don't go anywhere because we've got a great guest coming up for you next. Well, our first ever guest on the Race Wide Open podcast, he's been a mate of mine for a very long time, and it is fantastic to have him joining us here today. He's a familiar face to many, many people in the motorsport industry, uh, but uh, he's always good to get an insight into just what's going on in particularly Speedway, but also drag racing after the last weekend. Benny Bish, great to have you here, mate.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Good on you for uh, starting this up, mate, and, and here's to uh, getting better guests in the future. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, look, we start low and then we work up from there, mate. Oh, so, wow. uh, you were supposed to agree. Fantastic to have you, Benny. It really is, and uh, obviously this week, and you've been doing something you haven't done for a little while. You were down there at the Bend Dragway. Have you recovered yet? Uh,
1: yes, uh, and I tell you what, I think uh, I've got up to like you know. Twenty thousand steps or something like that on both days but it's interesting is that you walk in there and you go oh wow it's not as big as sydney and it's not as big as the motorplex but they've absolutely nailed it and that's what you notice about that incredible venue in shelby power motorsport park is that they just do stuff in stages and they're visionaries and so as a result of that they have say okay well let's just pitch it to to start smaller and then build from there. And you can see how the infrastructure set up to build bigger in the future. It is so good.
0: Yeah, it's well planned and it's, it's well executed down there. And I guess it kind of highlights a really exciting period for the next little while for drag racing. When you've got tracks like the Bend opening up, you've got obviously the Motorplex, which has been a gold standard in motorsport, not just drag racing, but motorsport uh, mm. Australia-wide for a long time. You've also got Sydney and Willowbank with the track works that they're doing up there. It's a really exciting time to be in drag racing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's it, one of the things that you notice – Uh, is that you don't realize you're in a really good era when you're in it. You look back and people talk about the good old days or this era or the wild bunch era or the, the era when nitro funny cars were the strongest thing, you know, back in the late eighties or the, you know, the top fueling, but the reality is you don't know until you're a couple of years down the track. And I think you look at some of the health and some of the, the vibe and, and, and some of the anticipation that's out there at the moment, man, there's a good feel within the sport and, and, Man, morale is everything,
0: isn't it? it? It absolutely is. And even when you just look at the car counts in, in some of the categories, like I can't remember a time when we've had such a strong two nitro categories in this country. Uh, yeah. You talk about the Sydney event that's coming up in the the very near future, the, the Australia Day Nationals. There's eight top fuel cars on the entry list for that. We mm. just had five big show nitro funny cars in Adelaide. Um, Hmm. I can't remember a time when we had this many nitro cars as well as the support categories being so strong.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And they are a product on their own, you know, because back in those days where, where fuel and, and uh, funny car had the, they had different ears essentially, didn't they? And, but I'm not sure that there was too much going on behind the scenes, apart from all the stuff that I love, which is the group three stuff. And Uh, But as far as stuff that puts bums on seats of people who aren't into the sport, then there wasn't a whole lot of depth outside of that. Now you've got Top Fuel Dragster, you've got Nitro Funny Car, Door Slam is strong, and and the quality of everything throughout Group 2 and Group 3 is really cool as well. So it's a good time to be alive.
0: It absolutely is. And it's a good time to be alive in Speedway as well. And what a lot of people probably don't realise is that that is actually what your day job is these days. Do you want to tell everyone exactly what it is that you do?
1: I think it's funny actually because um, I don't remember what years it was, 2015 through to about 2018, uh, Vanessa and I uh, had the uh, privilege of running a high-tech course to Oompa Speedway. Uh, And it wasn't long after we'd moved over from Perth or moved back to Queensland from Perth that we ran that. And so a lot of people think I live in Toowoomba, but I actually don't. No, we lived on the Gold Coast ever since we moved back here in 2013. Um, I've had a couple of different jobs since then, but the one I've had for the last two and a half years is uh, as a sport development officer for Speedway Australia, which is the peak body for Speedway racing in Australia. And uh, it's got about 100 racetracks across Australia that affiliate. And at the end of the day, it's essentially a licensing organization. So uh, everybody puts their licenses in. I think there's somewhere, you know, about six to 8,000 annual licensees. Then you've got a ton of one-day licenses on top of that. And that's when I say that's competitors. Then you've got another 4,000 uh, mechanics, another 2,000 officials. So there's a lot, a lot of people involved with Speedway. And so we've got different sport development offices in every state. And I've got uh, the privilege over here in Queensland while at the same time uh, developing the role. I say developing because it's not really fully developed yet, but developing the role of an actual uh, media communications person, which uh, I'm i am not really a media communications person. I'm like a 75 percenter I'm not really a graphic designer, but I 75% do graphic design. I'm not really a video editor, but I do 75%. And so hopefully good enough to to at least get the standard up and uh, and present the sport well. Yeah, but that's my day job with Speedway. And I, I think... People say to me, what do you prefer, speedway or drag racing? I, to be honest, I I don't – if you go back to who I was as a kid and what I loved, it hasn't really changed. I love both of them equally, and, and if I had to have a choice between going and watching, you know, a major speedway event or a major drag racing event, I'd be like eh. – not sure which one to go to you know which which actually has been a problem a few times when it comes to gigs so but from a spectator point of view uh, I wouldn't know I'd be probably at one event and watching the live stream at the other
0: you know what benny it's funny you say that because there is a lot of crossover between fans and and uh, participants mm. in speedway and drag racing there's a lot of people who who follow one very closely and the other one on the peripheral and a lot of races that have gone from one discipline to the other. It's really interesting to see that that kind of crossover because they're not two sports that you would directly correlate with each other.
1: And people have had that conversation with me over the years, and, and I can very easily put it to bed. I mean, they are so, so different. So I don't even, to be honest, really know why there is so much cross-correlation. It's maybe because it's that we're not the top game. We're not supercars. And we're not circuit racers, but we've got our own little part of the paddock. And and Speedway, absolutely, it's a driving, um, a driving sport. Absolutely, it is. And quite often, the reason I say that is quite often, uh, they're not really about motor mechanics, definitely about the geometry of the car and suspension, definitely, but not so much about the engine, because instead of fixing an engine uh you you just take it out and put another one in in the case of a of of the top up you know, with sprint cars late models or super sedans you don't sit around tinkering with engines to fix them uh you just replace them uh and get the engine expert in whereas drag racing is very much the engineer's sport and, and as we've heard a thousand times before in some cases the driver is they call the night spark plug and so not to say at all that it's easy to drive anything down a drag strip. Um, and I certainly am not even about to give anything a go that f- goes faster than 14 seconds, which is my PB in a Toyota Camry Sportivo back at the Motorplex in 2007. <laughs> but uh, but there is. I think I'm, not, I'm just stating the obvious. You know, people refer to drag racing. It's an engineers. It's a mechanic sport. Speedway's a driving sport. Yet I even had this conversation just the other day. I think it might have been with Brandon Gosville. Um, and we talked about how speedway people talk drag racing and drag racing people talk speedway, and I think from the point of view of the job that I have, my day my day job at Speedway Australia, there's some pretty cool stuff happening in this cross correlation here, because now, for example, uh, we've got Tim McEvoy, who's a great guy, and he used to be the general manager at Speedway Australia, and he is now the CEO at Andra loves both sports. He's on a very, very steep learning curve when it comes to drag racing. So he's got so many good relationships in speedway and he's building great relationships in drag racing. And then there's this great cross correlation. And then you've got uh, guys like Shane Collins, who has now taken the role of drag racing manager down at the bend but he used to be a major player. Like he ran World Series sprint cars for quite a few years. And so this, I mean, I could go on and on. And then when you talk about media people, we know that Chad Nalon, Matt Nolte, Brian all, Dean Neal, they all love drag racing and speedway. And so there is this lovely cross correlation of familiar faces. It doesn't really matter which venue you go to.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Benny. And it, it, it's funny, isn't it? When you see drag racing, you look at it and you, you think, okay, this is a, a straight line sport. It, it is all about the mechanical side of things, making the car go as fast as you possibly can. When you look at Speedway, it does come down to the driver. But there are a couple of venues around the place as well now that are getting to the point where you've got drag racing, Speedway operating side by side. Motorplex has done it so successfully for, for 20 years plus years now, 25 odd years. Um, and it's it's going to be Sydney's turn very, very shortly uh, with uh, the, the Speedway there. Obviously, it's got off to a bit of a rocky start, but, you know, all in all, it's going to be fantastic to see that venue up and running alongside the Dragway there, which has been so successful.
1: And I think, mate, it's really important for both sports to just celebrate the similarities and where we are in the pecking order. We're all, I think Speedway and drag racing are on a really similar pecking order. We've both had eras of, um, of glory, you know, the glory days where drag racing was like the biggest thing ever, you know, back of the, back in the, uh, the Winfield triple challenge days, you know, there was, and you remember those uh, amazing, hard to get Winfield posters now where they had the uh, Reeds dragster and the Kelly sprint car and the rush sprint cars, uh, and the super bikes and, and everything was branded in that, uh, that uh, cigarette company branding back in the day. And there was this thing where people just loved um, these grassroots motorsports. Drag racing had a great era then. And it's like sometimes in Australia, we, we tend to create uh, uh, rivalry when it's completely unnecessary. And it's just almost like it's the Australian way. So it's like, well, if it's not me, I don't like it. If it's something I don't understand, I don't like it. If it's something that I don't like, then I really don't like it, and I'll make sure that I tell everybody I don't like it. And it's actually uh, counterproductive to what we're trying to do here because, see, people in America, and you would have uh, worked this out, Rusty, that when, when you uh, talk to people in Speedway in America, they have their racetracks out in the middle of cornfields and all sorts of stuff, and they get their regular thousand people each week or whatever they're doing. They are in a totally different business model to what we're in with Speedway and drag racing. Every time we put an event on in these two forms of motorsport, we are trying to get a slice of the entertainment pie that is primarily taken up by football and cricket. And they don't face that. Over there, they're not they're not looking at the calendar for you know we've got to sort of work around the football or we've got to work around soccer as it's called over there. Um, they they have they just go and do their thing, whereas we're over here going oh man we can't put it on that day because that'll clash with that and we can't put it on that day because it'll clash with that or and, and and as a result this there tends to be this whole thing of speedway people having a crack at drag racing people, drag racing people having a crack at speedway. It's just like, just stop, just stop because we both need to work together in this whole thing. And I had two, maybe three conversations on the weekend about that. I didn't bring those conversations up. It was notable races that were bringing that up and maybe we can be a really powerful force if we work together. Um, So this has been a long answer, but I want to add one more thing to it. Some really cool stuff happening in regards to Motorsport Australia, because now Speedway Australia has a seat at the Australian Motorsport Council table, as does Andra, right? And so that's really, really healthy, because that means that those people are getting more and more connected, and they're connected in boardrooms talking about the big picture. That's really, really healthy. And we, as the next level down, as commentators, media people, fans, racers, teams, team owners, We just need to get on that train and start singing each other's praises and building each
0: other up because with with that unity, you'll get far better outcomes. And that's exactly what you described there is exactly the reason why we started uh, racewideopen.com because it's about those niche motorsports that maybe don't necessarily get the limelight that they deserve uh, in the mainstream motorsport media and just trying to spread the love a little bit and, and trying to give those sports that little bit bigger piece of the pie so that they might be able to grow they might be able to to nurture uh, the future of the sport into something bigger uh, that we yeah. can all enjoy so yeah great point that you made Benny and looking sort of across the the country now I know we just spoke about Sydney but Speedway is in a little bit of a purple patch at the moment in terms of the youth that's coming through particularly in the the 14 sprint cars we Look at, at some of the names, like Jock Goodyear has just been absolutely outstanding, Brock Hallett, mm-hmm. Callum Williamson, um, mm-hmm. Cameron Waters, Marcus Darmsley, um, all the American visitors as well. It, it's fantastic to see. But the other thing is the way that the sport is marketing itself with the 7-plus deal over in Perth, the Ninth Under TV show, and mm-hmm. that's now extended down to the Australian title as well, I believe, uh, which yeah. is it's doing fantastic things for the sport and it's giving it a profile that it hasn't had for a very long time.
1: Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because we've gone into this whole thing of nobody watches free to air anymore, but that's, if you think in terms of free to air, just being going over to your TV in the corner and switching it on and watching it. Now that we have smart TVs that have apps, then free to air is so much wider and it's so much more accessible. Uh, And unless you're like my mum, who can't work out the different apps on TV, everyone can watch anything at any time, which is really, really cool. Um, But uh, credit where credit's due, mate, we are in the hands of some visionary people with the right connections and ridiculous levels of skill. And for both drag racing and Speedway, I'm talking about drag racing, it's Nathan Prendergast, uh, Andy Lopez, that are putting that whole thing together and giving that a platform that... Is basically free to air. And it really is, really is amazing. When it comes to Speedway, it's the visionary uh, guys, uh, the Maddington Toyota series um, over in Western Australia. That's Jeff Kendrick. And of course, you need the guy to make it all happen. And you're going to rely on a fair bit of passion to do that. And of course, I'm talking about Dean Neal, who's just been absolutely amazing and doing stuff at break even sort of deal um, because they just see that this is an opportunity we've never had before. I've got to say, man, the word the the, the word that's coming back from seven is so they're very very impressed with this. Then it comes back to production values, and we've 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 got the right guys in the job who, thankfully, are leading the sport in media to be able to take it to free air. And then, of course, uh, you can't put everything on free air because we have in Speedway probably twenty events every weekend over the the busier period. And I think there's a, including practices. I think in Speedway in Australia, there's like 950 events per year uh, across the 100 tracks in Australia. It's quite amazing. And they all can't go on free to air. They can't all go on Seven Plus. But then the guys from Clay Perview, for example, and there's a couple of other streaming platforms that are doing a cracking job. And yeah, I understand that it probably seems really expensive that you're paying the same as a ticket price to to be able to watch Clay Perview. But, right, broadcast is not cheap. This equipment's not cheap. People are not cheap. So you've got to pay. So it's amazing, Rusty, and I know it would frustrate you too, but you see these guys go... Um well, oh, how come they haven't got this for free? Or oh, how come it's not for it's like because it costs a lot of money. What do you think we are? World vision? This is the most expensive <laughs> form of motorsport that you could do, and you're expecting to be able to see it for free. The people don't understand the business models that allow free to air. You notice that supercars isn't free to air for every round now, you know. So there's a fair bit of understanding that's got to happen for the average fan to 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 understand. Okay, these are really we're, we're making really, really great ground here, but you know, you've got to pay your way as well.
0: Yeah, you're spot on there. You're spot on. And and I think in terms of bringing the profile up, I, I haven't heard so many people actually talk about drag racing and Speedway. Um, people out in the general public, not not the usual people that you and I sort of talk to, but the people when, you know, you might be wearing a drag racing shirt or a, or a Speedway shirt down at the shops and they say to you, I was watching that the other night on on yeah. 7 Plus. And, yeah. and it's actually, it opens your eyes to just how much of a reach it does give the sports and and what there is to capitalise on there. And that kind of ties into my next question. I I spoke about the youth coming through in in sprint cars at the moment um, and obviously through the rest of the sport as well. But the youth movement and the way that these young guys, particularly in Speedway, present themselves – it sets a benchmark that a lot of other sports could learn from because they speak really well in front of a camera. They get up there, they know their their partners, their racing partners, they know their sponsors, they know how to give an interesting interview. And, and yet not everyone is going to get up there and, and be an absolute pro at it. But there's guys that will get up there, they'll speak their mind, they'll earn fans from it. Um, and I think the youth is something that, that Speedway has really got going for it at the moment.
1: Yeah, it really has. Very, very thankful. And and I think back to, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago when these guys were just coming through and they might have been winning a, you know, Formula 500 title or Lockie McHugh winning a, you know, a Mod Light race and stuff. And you started to see their ability. You know, Lockie McHugh did two tours of World Series sprint cars just with the family car um, and then partly with with another team. Um the The training ground for these guys has been amazing because they've had such great races around them. You know, so the, the, the long list of guys who were the next generation ahead, I think we can give them some props for that because they've constantly encouraged them. You know, you talk in a conversation now with James McFadden, he'll refer to himself as an old guy, but he's always been a great advocate for bringing the next guy through and teaching them to respect the sport, of course. But Man, you, you look at these grids now, and most of these guys, a, a lot of these key players, definitely under thirty, um, and a good lot of them under twenty five. I mean that you just can't you can't buy that, you can't organize that. And what I think is really healthy is that it doesn't stop with them, right? It, it, because as soon as you say, okay, well. What's coming after that, man, I could reel off a heap of names of, of different guys who are showing some real, real talent but just haven't exposed their head. Because I think when it comes to... um Sprint car racing, that's pretty obvious, Rusty. But there's like a renaissance in super sedan racing, which is Australia's V8 uh, sedan racing on dirt tracks. Man, I remember back in 2015, well, just shut this thing down because everyone was grey-haired, everyone was old. And now hey, you've got these young guys coming through, um, like JJ. Sean Black probably doesn't consider himself so young anymore um uh, midi g just got his first win in in super Sedan. so it's happening there there's some really really aggressive young guys i think the conversation probably leads towards uh their ability to to get on a sim and just get so much seat time from sim racing which is now apparently for people with skill unlike myself it's actually teaches you the game which who would have ever thought
0: yeah, absolutely, spot on. And, you know, it keeps going with the Australian junior title up there in Grafton uh, mm-hmm. this weekend, um, yeah. you know, and that's that's probably two generations removed from the, the drivers that we're seeing at the moment. But it does show that there is a future and it is coming.
1: Hundred percent, it is, and and what I like about it, it's not everyone's just deciding. Oh well, I'm you know my dream is to be in a sprint car. There's this renaissance now of, of guys really wanting to aspire in late model racing or sedan racing, and and what people outside of speedway probably don't realise is, is how the ridiculous levels of investment that are going into the six cylinder sedan classes in Australia. Uh, where you've got modified sedans, mate, where if you're serious about staying at the front, uh, you're not getting any change out of 100 grand. I know of, a, a, of a, um, a late model, or late, latest model, Commodore bodied modified sedan. So they're, you know, the original chassis. Uh, man, as a roller, it's 100K. You know, because of the amount of suspension on each corner, like it's a it's a big deal. I mean, you could still be there and be a part of the fun for twenty five to thirty grand, but uh, yeah, it's it's a serious serious deal. Um, and they're not. I think in Speedway there is very much that thought of. Okay, there's sprint cars and there's fender benders. <laughs> you know, there's like this there's big gap, but it's there is that gap is so full now of really really good. Um, really really good classes that in presentations through the roof I don't know what's going on in the economy at the moment and I say this with total respect because I know that there'd be listeners who who are really struggling at the moment because of you know, cost of living and everything but I've got to be real with you mate we are not seeing it in the, in Speedway and I know it's not really appearing in drag racing at the moment but for some reason the disposable income of motor races at the moment is, is still pretty high uh, and they're still presenting great cars and still freshening engines and Hey, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. So you consider exactly what you're saying, Um, you know, everything about the next generation coming through um, and the depth of talent and the amount of career paths that there are in Speedway. There's a lot of different things that are contributing to the sport heading in a really, really good direction, which, you know, is pretty fun to be around.
0: Yeah, spot on, Benny, spot on. Now, we're recording this Tuesday night before the Classic, the uh, the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic down at Warrnambool. Mm-hmm. I know being in the position that you're in, it's hard mm-hmm. for you to to make a pick or pick a favourite oh. uh, for that event. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot, Benny. Who's your, uh, who's your pick <laughs> for the classic? Oh,
1: wow. I mean, it's going to be the obvious picks, isn't it? Uh, I think jock will be really, really hard to stop. Uh, I think it's the most fascinating thing in the sport for me is the combination of a team owner, a crew chief, and a racer. And you can put a championship-winning team owner, a championship-winning crew chief, and a championship-winning driver together, think this is going to be a super team, and they they just don't win races. But there is a glue and there is a momentum with Jock Goodger at the moment that will make him very, very hard to stop. Um, it's great to see what's happening with Brock Hallett. I'm so pleased to see a guy who, the former two-time Formula 500 champion, I first met him when the Speedcar Pro Series started in 2012, and he was driving for Trevor Nucky. And I gave him the nickname Highline Hallett because he'd just try everything on the top side. didn't matter if there was nothing up there. He'd give it everything. So yeah, look, he's got some great talent as well. Lockie has been a little hit and miss in the sense of not his driving, but he's just had some shocking luck, and particularly when leading. So Lockie can never be discounted. And so there's three young guys, but, you know, you've got a bunch of Americans. see Macedo seems to be unstoppable at the moment. So that's it's going to be a cracking race, whatever happens. I won't be there. I'll be at the, uh, the Junior Sedan title in Grafton uh, and keeping a close eye on it, but then I'll get down to Warrnambool the next week for the Australian Sprint Car title. So I'm looking forward to that. But mate, to give you a tip, uh, I don't know. Maybe we should be bringing betting into speedway because I reckon there'd be a fair few people who put a fair bit of money down. <laughs> On oh, oh, who they think can win, there could be some money. There could be an industry there that uh, that is uh, just lying there, waiting to uh, for for the sport to make a heap of money out of. To be honest, I'm not a betting man, but I can see why it would be so much fun to get in there and, and put a couple of dollars down on some of these guys.
0: I have never seen anyone walk straight along the top of a fence as well as you just did, Benny. That was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Right on top of it there, mate. Mate, uh, thank you very much for being our first guest on the Race Wide Open podcast. Uh, it's awesome to have someone of your calibre on here, mate. And uh, once again, thanks for your time, buddy.
1: Oh, absolutely. My pleasure, mate. And best wishes with the podcast. A big hello to all the listeners. And um, yes, support these guys that are, that have you know, putting their neck on the line and, and making these podcasts because it's all these good conversations Uh, positive conversations about the sport and where it's heading. I think the more conversations we have like this, the better, mate.
0: Well, that's all we've got on this episode of the Race Wide Open Podcast. A big, big thank you to Benny Bish for joining us for our first episode. If you've enjoyed the show, make sure you do check us out on Facebook. Make sure you do go over and check out the website as well, racewideopen.com. And please make sure you do give us a follow and a like on whatever platform you're listening to us on. But for now, we'll see you next time on Race Wide Open, the podcast.